We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network Game 5 Post Game Pod. The Milwaukee Bucks absolutely rope a dope. The Boston Celtics. If you're not a boxing or pugilism enthusiast, looks like they were down and out. They, in fact, were not down and out on the back of two incredible Drew Holiday defensive plays and a lot of other plays that we will talk about. The Bucks secure a 110-107 win in Boston, moving to 2-1 and one in Boston on the series and returning to Milwaukee for a pivotal Game 6 potential closeout game. I'm Ty Windish, joined as always by my youthful co-host, Rohan Kadi, and my also youthful co-host, Adam McGee, of the Winning Six podcast. Fellas, how's it going? It's great to be back. I hate missing podcasts. Feeling much better. Happy to be here. Uh, Wow. Wow. I don't feel so youthful after that game. (laughs) I think it aged me about 20 years. But all's well as it ends well. It's poetic and true. I think we always start with Giannis. We'll get to Giannis. A hell of a Giannis game. We've got to give Drew Drew Holiday the credit up front. You know, still not the most beautiful shot-making game from Drew. I think we've come to expect that. He figured it out on the threes at least. He hit a few no-no-no-yes shots that were absolutely crucial. Throw all of that aside. We'll talk about it, but throw it aside for now. Two, a block and a steal. In the last 10 seconds, both on Marcus Smart, wonderfully enough, a little bit of payback for the end of game four. That absolutely sealed it. I mean, the Bucs were doing the make free throws, get the ball, hold the lead thing. Celtics would have had a shot to get right back in the game. Drew said they're not even going to take a shot, man. They're not even going to take a shot. Just the kind of wow defensive playmaking we saw last finals was back on display in Boston. And it was so sweet. It's it's fitting because we we did a we did a playback so we were live for this game. Make sure you check out our playbacks, by the way. They're a ton of fun. Um, and throughout a lot of the game, we were just bagging on Drew Holiday for his offense. Like, we're, we're, let's be honest. Like, that's what we were doing. 
because it just felt like, what on earth are you doing, my guy? Even late possessions down, like, I forget which exact possession this was. We're recording right after the game, by the way. Uh, there was like a late possession where it's like, okay, the Bucks have some momentum. They're getting it going. And Drew just takes like a wild, like step back mid-ranger that just like hits side rim. And you're like, what? what it was what when the Bucks were first cutting into the Celtics lead in the fourth quarter. Drew took and missed a shot in the lane. And I commented like, you know, who hadn't been taking shots when the Bucks were finding a rhythm on offense? Drew Holiday. And then... He took a couple later that mattered, but Rohan, back to your your overall point here. Yeah, so we were just bagging on his offense, and which is fair. He hasn't been like at all very much effective on offense, and I feel like it's fair to criticize him for that. But we also, I feel like we're losing perspective on a lot of his defense, and those last two plays by him are just extremely emblematic of what he means to this team and the importance he has and why he's allowed to take those shots. One, again, no Chris Middleton in the series. Someone has to take shots. He's one guy who can create for himself pretty easily on this team. And that's something that's difficult to come by as everyone is learning as you're watching the Milwaukee Bucks try and uh, get get some points on the board. Drew Holiday is one guy who can actually create his own shot consistently. So he's allowed to go take those shots. I mean, I guess go off. But just masterclass, masterclass on defense. They flashed up a graphic on the TNT broadcast. Um, it's just the only broadcast. Like, there's no local anymore. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, where it's like uh, players are shooting 33% when being defended by Drew Holiday during this postseason, which is the lowest mark of any player. He's insane. He's ridiculous. I'm running out of words to describe how beautiful a defensive game that Drew Holiday puts on a consistent game-to-game basis. It's just, it's magical to watch. This was truly iconic. You know, the moment that, I mean, you've got to do some other stuff for it to rank higher up the rankings. We know when he came up with a very big steal that we'll all certainly remember forever. But the moment that if we're going to go kind of like for a like in series, okay, this wasn't the closeout game. Um, But we could look back on it as, you know, Maybe this proves to be akin to a win-or-go-home game in the series. It's like Brooks' block on KD against the Nets in terms of a defensive play that is just like it, it really set the tone for everything. Not that much of a tone had to be set when you come up with plays that big in the final 10 seconds of the game. But we, look, we know we've seen him. We've seen him just be consistently excellent defensively all throughout his time with the books all throughout the regular season we've seen him just snatch the ball away for people for fun countless times you know you can expect it at least once a game but in the final 10 seconds of a game with the stakes as high as they are which i don't know if like even a week from now and kind of recounting this if everyone will will fully just get themselves back to the place of I think where we all felt like the game was not going well, the books did brilliantly to be there. And that really felt like a big deal in its own right. But to then to come up with those plays at that time, secure a win, truly incredible. It was just, it was so bucks. This is what they do. We said it in the last pod. I don't know if we believed it, but this is what they do. It's a, they're a rope dope team. It's their whole identity. They get so down bad, and then they're just like, actually, we're still going to win. Sorry, we forgot to inform you. We're still going to capture this dub here. 
Um, I, yeah, just it was such. I mean, Drew still shot 37.5% from the game and for the game, but he was four for seven from deep, some huge ones, eight boards, eight assists, just two turnovers. That is a huge deal. It felt like he had more than that early. He had no turnovers after the first quarter, I think that means. So uh, really, really big stuff from Drew. I, I don't want to push Giannis off too long, but we talked and talked and talked about how good role players had to be for the Bucks in this game. And it wasn't always the prettiest, but a few of them were good enough. And I think Pat Connaughton, we'll, we'll talk about Pat. Again, just another – the crazy thing about Pat is just everything – whatever you need, that's what Pat provides. It can be different play-to-play, game-to-game, but the shooting, the defense, the rebounding, the physicality, he's always there. He's always in the right spot, made some huge plays. Wes Matthews, I think, again, we've talked about the defense. Dekaius Duncan wrote a great article, hung out with us on our playback – or yeah, our playback, which was great. Uh, but he highlighted Wes – you know, he misses six shots. He missed all three of his twos, which is kind of rough, but three for six from deep. Like a guy who at times could not hit a shot, knocked down just enough threes. But I want to talk about Bobby Portis, who I think you could look at the box score and go, oh, terrible game from Bobby Portis. The shooting wasn't good. He shouted out Milwaukee with a four for 14 slash line. He was everything in the fourth quarter. Get play, like the defense, he hung in there. The rebounding was massive. He had seven offensive boards, 15 total reboards, led the Bucks, and I believe the game in rebounding. Correct? Shout um, out reboards. What? <laughs> said reboards. Oh, sorry. 15 boards. Um, 15. Under the circumstances, I understand completely. Yeah, but somebody else, like, clearly I'm losing it here. Somebody else talk no, about Bobby. But, like, it's just completely. He had the go-ahead basket, and I felt like that's the story of the game for Bobby Portis. He made plays when it mattered. Again, like you said, if you just look at the box score, it's like, oh, this is kind of not a best Bobby Portis game. And that's partially true. It wasn't the best Bobby Portis game you could ask for. He had a lot of missed shots, a lot of missed opportunities. So it's like, maybe if you hit some of these, you're not in this situation, but that's a weird butterfly effect thing. But in the moment in which you needed him, Giannis misses a free throw. Bobby Portis goes and fights for rebounding positions, tip after tip. He kept, kept it alive and manages to put it in after there was a sequence about a minute beforehand where he just missed a wide open dunk to be able to come back and just do that special, absolutely special play. I didn't get to call it out at the time, but I was definitely thinking the missed dunk. It was just wide open. It's just inexplicable. It's one of those plays that you'll remember forever if they end up losing a really tight game and immediately kind of forget if they win. And that's totally what's going to happen. I mean, if the Bucks end up losing, that that thing is everywhere. That's a meme, everything else. Now it's just like, oh, whatever. Doesn't Didn't end up mattering somehow. And uh, when we were talking about it on the playback, I remember us calling that. I think it was Brooks specifically. He was on the floor at the time. We were like, they need to just get in position and start fighting for some offensive boards. Like the, the offensive boards are there for them against the Celtics. Wasn't happening at all. Brooke immediately started to do that. I, I think he finished with, it was only two, but he was there fighting for them much more actively from that time. Bobby really took that up a gear. Like seven offensive boards is a big deal. Um, and yeah, it was not a it was not a good game overall from Bobby. There's times where you're like, he's not surviving out there. Um, particularly, we'll probably get into it if we talk about some of the things that we'll like to see less of or need to be managed more carefully going into game six. But him and Grayson out there together is tough. Like you're you're making life much more difficult for both of those guys 
um, when you're asking a lot of them to just, you know, hang tough and do what you need them to do to survive those minutes. But we've talked a lot over the last 12 months about just Bobby lock in and do the things you're good at, which is make your presence felt, use your foot speed and just give, give everything not to be found out defensively. Like so much of it with him is down to not effort because effort is always a given with Bobby, but just focus and decision-making in those moments. And final few minutes of the game, he basically nailed it. And you, you can't ask for more than that from him because there were some tough decisions to make in terms of, I, I think four of the guys who were out there were picking themselves. And if you wanted to go maybe more reliable defense, you're going to Brook, but you needed the offense and ultimately you needed Bobby's energy on the glass. Like that's, that's what gets you true. So the fact that he survived defensively and was able to do that just is a massive deal because Pat, like obviously Giannis and Drew were going to be out there, but guys like Pat and Wes were no brainers. So it's like, okay, who else, who else can go out there and, and help you to turn this game around? And Bobby did exactly what they needed from. I think it's huge for the Bucks that they're able to size down. Brooke only plays 20 minutes in this game uh, and only gets three boards himself. We know he's helpful when he's not rebounding for him too, but they're able to size down for more than half the game and still out-rebound the Celtics on the offensive glass by a huge margin. Milwaukee had 17 offensive rebounds. The Celtics had five as a team. So Bobby had more than all of Boston. The rest of it was really a team effort. Brooke had two. Giannis had two. Wes had three. He was active there. Grayson, Drew, and Pat all had one. Um, it's just like those are the – we've seen that swing games for the Bucks before, but the fact that they can now, it seems like, actually play small without giving up that advantage against the Celtics team, at least as long as Robert Williams is out or not playing. And I think even if he does play game six, which we're not sure, you know, Brooke probably plays a little more if Robert Williams is out there more. I think matching those two minutes makes a lot of sense for, for the Bucks. really makes it a lot more comfy for Brooke defensively. But I think it's a really good sign because that's one of the things we haven't always seen. And there were some bad possessions where the Bucks did let Al Horford or someone through for the offensive putback. But you know, overall, rebounding without Brooke out there has not always been there. And definitely have to credit Bobby and guys like Wes and, and Giannis for stepping up there and, and grabbing some of these loose boards. Seven boards from Wes is a big deal. Like, he, he can do that, but it's not something you're going to see every night. So he was when you consider the, the energy expanding when... defensively generally to then go and get the boards too, that's super impressive. No, just his, his ability to go fight for rebounds late in that game kept them alive. Like, yeah, how many offensive rebounds did he end with? Three, three. I feel like two of them were within the final five minutes. I think they were. Uh, I should be able to pull a quarter stat soon, but yeah, I I think um, I, I think just and you know West third on the team in minutes. He logged thirty six minutes. I I think maybe he'll be fourth to Pat. This dude was on his couch game. to start the season. It's probably good. A little extra rest. It probably did him well. Um, Look what he, it did, Al Horford. Yeah, he only he only got one in the in the fourth quarter. Bobby Portis, four offensive boards in the fourth quarter. Wow. All four of his rebounds, actually. His only made field goal was the, the tip-in. He missed <laughs> his other three. emblematic. But made, made all four of his free throws, which some big free throws in the fourth quarter. Bucks are From guys that we don't usually see, and that, like him and Pat, Pat, it's not like we're watching a lot of four-quarter games where it game's on the line and they're going to the free throw line. Like Pat's a great free throw shooter. Still, that's not a situation I've ever seen Pat Connaughton in before. No. And to just make nothing of it is 
it's classic Pat. Is, is it I not? was really, yeah, I was really a little concerned because I was as as that play was happening. I didn't say this aloud, but I was thinking, when's the last time Pat took a free throw? <laughs> like, yeah, you don't see it all. Those were his only two in the game. Like, it might be his only two in the postseason. Good. Like, I, I, that's probably not the case, but it sure feels like. I can just that. Oh, you got it. Yeah, I'm just it's yeah. it's so Pat though, and I think I wasn't mad when I saw it was him. I was worried about three of the five bucks. I don't know who I wanted to shoot, to be honest with you. I mean, Giannis inbounding, I was like, Drew ran to the other side of the floor. I was like, that's probably good. Let's not make that pass. I don't want to see. As great and clutch as he was, free throws have not always been a Drew Holiday strength. He was two for two in this game, to give him some credit. Um, But I was like, Pat, okay, that's not bad. Brian Anderson read he's like an 85 or whatever percent shooter. But I was like, man, he does not shoot a lot. But if there's anyone on the team who could walk up totally cold and just nail two huge free throws, it's Pat Nails Connaughton. Pat Connison has taken before today. Yeah. Uh three free throws the entire postseason. They <laughs> we know if that's came. before today. Because I was looking at it too and I was trying to figure out are you on NBA? Is that I'm on NBA.com? Yeah, so am I. Let me go it's, on, keep going. Uh, he took three in game three against the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he hasn't shot a free throw until tonight in what, like two, two and a half weeks? Since April twenty second. <laughs> and it uh, makes sense too that like if you're shooting free throws it's off a it's three of them pointer, yeah you know? and before yeah. that he hadn't shot free throws since april 8th <laughs> you, you know he's made before tonight before those two free throws he had five total free throws since april 3rd <laughs> hey if you stay ready you don't have to get ready that's wild. ridiculous that's a great stat rohan um should we do bad news first or Yadis first? Oh, let's do let's bad news. Okay. I just don't know if at some point we'll have to. We'll have to give let's do Giannis. Let's let's do okay game from Giannis. You know, the casual 40 burger on 59% shooting, 40% from deep, 60% from free throw, which we'll take. Eleven boards, three assists, one steal, one block, seven turnovers. So- I, I want to look at some of what I called his turnovers because I did think he had four at one point when Drew had two. Did not feel like Giannis was turning the ball over more than Drew, but whatever. Um, it ends up with four personal fouls. I think all came in the fourth quarter, but did not pick up any more. And just, I mean, we were talking about it all game, right? Uh, the scoring is there now. He He's figured it out. He doesn't look like he's going up against that much. I mean, he's working for it, but the first couple of games of the series, it was seemed like it was so tough for him to finish. That's not happening anymore. Like, I think part of it is Grant Williams and Al Horford are playing less together. Robert Williams is obviously not playing at all. But when he's getting, you know, Horford or mostly Horford this game in space, it just does not look that difficult for him. There's a couple times Horford wins, but Giannis is winning a lot of those possessions now. It's it's just easy. Like you said, it, it just looks effortless. A lot of it comes down to the angles. I kept saying this during the playback. Angles are so important for Giannis, especially against guys like Grant Williams, like Al Horford, mostly Al Horford. Al Al Horford looked like he was out on an island against Giannis today, which is just incredible considering what we saw the first couple games of the series. Like a lot of the time we just saw Giannis, classic Giannis, attacking from the top of the key, just going one on five. Now we just see slight variations. We see Giannis attacking from the wing. We see Giannis setting up near the baseline. It's And then he just uses his skill, his athleticism to just go and finish. That's all it takes. It's the little adjustments that matter. 
because Giannis, like everyone knows that Giannis is obviously the better player and he should win most of these matchups because like he's the, he's the best player in the world. He should be doing that. It just takes a little bit of time to figure out how exactly you need to dominate these matchups. Then he goes out there and he dominates them. Early on, we saw him dominate the Jalen Brown matchup just purely because he's just a lot bigger than him and just can elevate right over the top of him. But again, when you get guys like Grant Williams, guys like Al Horford who are big, strong, move their feet, you know, might take you a couple games. And then you're like, okay, this is how I dominate. It's not a matter of, oh, these guys can limit Giannis. It's how long can these guys be affecting Giannis? Because it's not going to last. It's not going to last forever at all. No defender is capable of containing Giannis for more than three games at a time, maybe more than two games at a time. He's going to figure it out. And once he does, it's over. Just, just kiss your family goodbye because you're about to be put in the basket. The best thing is it doesn't feel that noteworthy, like basket to basket when he's scoring now. You know, I know he's been putting up pretty good numbers throughout the series, but it feels more so even than any other point. You just look at the box score and you're like, oh, he's got 20 right now. Okay, I I didn't realize that, but I'm not going to doubt it. You know, it's it's very, very simple for him in spite of how hard he's being made to work for it. And, you know, he did have those comments about, you know, <laughs> how much he loves physicality. Uh, and I think we, we both some fun of them at the time. But, hey, they made him bleed and the books just went and said, oh, okay, we're, we're going to have to take Connerman, this game now. In fairness to Boston, I wasn't. <laughs> Listen, Pat was forced into it. You know, it was the the heat of battle forced Pat into that spot. But yeah, maybe he could motivate. Does does Giannis know that Pat was the one who made him bleed? Probably not. He probably thinks it was a Celtic. Here's my galaxy brain take. Pat knows how much getting hit in the face invigorates him. So he was like, I got to get Giannis going. I will say to that end, to to the end of it being strategic, the Bucks got two 30-second timeouts to stop the bleeding. That really helped with maybe Giannis should bleed more. Hot take. Um, they helped the honest, and they also because something we've been talking about is Bud was burning those timeouts a little too soon, you know, and it was a concern that they weren't going to have them later in the game, and that was certainly a break. So, good work, Pat, on many many fronts. <laughs> I've got a great stat that I just saw in the timeline from Justin Russo at Fly by Night K N I T E on Twitter. Boston Celtics were 141 and one. All time in the playoffs when holding a nine-plus lead entering the fourth quarter before tonight. The one was not in Boston. It was at Disney World. They had never lost in the fourth quarter when they came in with a nine-plus point lead until tonight. Wow. It's just beautiful. That's Giannis. That's the How'd you like that, Bill Russell? (laughs) Oh, God. why Why are we disrespecting Bill Russell? I just I was looking for like who do I want to go with people, as Mr. Celtic? I thought you'd go for Lucky. People. Yeah, Lucky's not deserving. You yell at me. I don't respect Lucky enough to you be yell like. Yell at me for saying some stuff about Bob Pettit, but now I'm you're, not you're disrespecting. I'm not disrespecting Take that, Russell. Bill Russell. I who think Russell you, is the ultimate Celtic. So I'm saying like, how'd you like them apples? That's ooh. I like that you put it to him in a Boston way too. That's really uh. Is that a Boston thing? Well, it's fa- I forgot you don't watch movies. It's a very famous <laughs> line from a movie that's very, very Boston. Which, which Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah, i never seen it. I got a number. How do, yeah, I won't try to do a Boston accent. Um, Save that for a while, yeah. If we like, ever launch a Patreon, a that'll, be the, that'll be on there. 
That's now no. If we ever do, nobody would subscribe. Now. I don't think we'll have demand for the Patreon. What, what's what's on there? Time Winter's Boston accent. No, I'm gonna pass. Actually, um, that's our exclusive content. I think I'm kind of getting to the Javon Carter should play over George Hill space. Here's the thing. A little bit. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It matters a little. I don't. I don't like it. Why? Does. Well, I mean, it's what well, things matter. I don't want to. I'm not no, saying this. No, so explain yourself. That's oh, George was just kind of getting some light ranch cardio out there. Fifth to 12 minutes. He cannot guard Tatum. The Bucks kind of think he can. I, I got Brown much. either. He can't guard Tatum or Brown. And the whole reason that I was on Hill over Carter was, oh, I don't think Javon can hang with those guys. George can't either, unfortunately. Didn't take a shot. Two rebounds, two fouls, minus 15 in 12 minutes. You know, I think maybe – I'm not saying he can't play at all for sure. I think I'd rather just try Javon and see what he's got. I mean, he's been a great three-point shooter as a buck. I think that's honestly the biggest reason. And also, in his minutes, like pressure the hell out of whoever's handling the ball for Boston. Like, you know he's not going to play much. If Javon plays, it'll probably be somewhere in that neighborhood of 12 minutes that George played. He can spend that whole 12 minutes picking up guys from 90 feet, and maybe you get a turnover. You probably degrade their offensive efficiency a little bit by doing that. He knocks down a three or two. That's how he gets such a crazy plus minus. And I'm not basing this off of racking up an awesome plus minus in game one against the Celtics and the Bulls series. I just think he'd probably be more helpful. I'm, I'm not I'm, – I know a lot of people on Twitter are going to drag me. I was very much No, I, I think – no, everyone is on that page i just think it's no maybe people said, for flipping now I'm no sorry. i know yeah. i know you've changed too um i don't my my one counter is he can't defend tatum and brown i probably not probably not i i agree but why what's what's the reason for that he's too small yeah and javon's smaller oh so, I, I thought you were talking about javon i don't think hill's no, too small i just well, think he's I'm, not I'm, well he is he is for Jason Tatum, like that's been proven. Tatum can get what he wants, Tatum's and the same like, happens with Jalen Brown. They say he's six ten. I don't believe it. Um, I, I think they also say he's like sixteen years old. <laughs> but but tie on that, the yeah. thing that we actually we talked about on playback is, I'm not opposed to him getting some of Grayson's minutes if Grayson's shots aren't falling. Yeah, I, I think we we can talk there too. That's that's where I, I see the value. That's where I see the logic in it because with Grayson, if his shots aren't falling. We know he's a weak point defensively. So yeah. if Javon's out there, if the only thing they're going to have as an advantage over him is his height, I'll take the chances with that because we know his defensive instincts are great and yeah. he has been shooting very well. Like that That's the spot I would look for. But I, I know why everyone's focusing on George Hill. I, and I George Hill is not the answer and he's just back from injury and he's also incredibly injured. Yeah. But I How is this I think still walking? Uh, yeah. He may pure, not be if he pure, keeps going like this. Pure desire to get that ring, man. That's how. But, but that, that is one him. where. That's that's one where I just he's one of the he's one of the playable guys because of his body type because of his size. He's still wrong for your two most important matchups. You should just maybe try and get him on Marcus Smart a bit more when he's out there, or uh, yeah. if Peyton Pritchard is out there, you're like, okay, get George Hill on the floor. But see, that's you know, where I just like. You know, if if neither one of them can guard the Jays, and you uh, let's assume you may you probably get more offense from Javon. Maybe I don't know. It's close. They're not really using Hill to do much of the on ball stuff anymore. He's kind of just out there. That's why I'm like, oh, give Javon a shot. Like, let's see at least. I mean, he's played well when he's played. 
I don't know. Uh, do you think? Do you think they should try? Like, if Hill's going to play, particularly because, like, for as great as this game ends for Drew, Drew had his problems again offensively with just like basic playmaking, just with setting up the books to get things in motion offensively. And we have talked about it, it's now something they've real strength in in terms of that kind of guard. It feels like if you're going to play George, you should probably give him a chance to do some of that and see how that goes in spells. 100% agree. That's exactly how I would say it too. If you're going to play him, he should probably be doing that. Because I think that's the – the my prior reasoning to George over Javon was on-ball playmaking and defense. The defense, I just don't see the advantage. I think Javon at this point, again, where Hill's at age-wise, health-wise, everything else – I think Javon is the better option, even if he's smaller. I just think he's going to hold up better. The ball pressure's there. And George is just not giving you, you know, as much as the Bucks had hoped, which, again, it's going through a ton. It's not, not to, you know, crap on George Hill here. But I think if, you're, if Hill does play, then, yeah, I think that's what you should do because we do – we've liked what we've seen there. He's such a steady, calm, good creator, gets guys involved. But if you're, if you're just looking at that spot as, like, you know, off-ball guy who's going to go up and down the court and play some defense – and you're not planning to put the ball in that player's hands, then I'm definitely like, let's let's try. That's, I'm not even saying you should play it over him. Let's at least give Javon a four-minute run and see what happens, whether that's you know, Grayson playing four minutes less or Hill playing four minutes less because we know the defensive upside is there. We know the offensive upside is there too. Let's give him a shot to see if it holds. Plus, we can push the Eurostep brand if he does well. I know. I've been waiting, dude. I've been waiting. Oh, the Bud is not considerate of hard download numbers at all. It's very inconsiderate of him. Well, when they find a win, not that we're going to put the win on Bud, uh, that helps our download numbers. That's so, true. That's that's a good point. The longer they can stay in the playoffs, from the, the last win. Uh, I'm stealing this from Mike over at the timeline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, uh, "I think on the last." Uh, I think, yeah, the game five pod or whatever for the Suns Mavs. He said, welcome back to everyone who only tunes in for wins. So welcome back to everyone who tunes in for wins. It's actually um, kind of less less true. Uh, a lot of people persevered with the the game four pod. Oh, yeah. Shout out to everyone who tunes in ever. If you turned in now and you're yeah. not already, please subscribe on YouTube and your podcast platform of choice. I usually do that in the intro. Got kind of caught up in... in Couple things that were going on. We we appreciate every single listener, is what we're saying. We do, we do. Win or lose, or whenever you tune in. If you listen to once in a while, that's fine. You know, consider upping it, maybe. But if you don't have time, we get it. Rohan, what do you think of Grayson Allen tonight? Oh boy, why are you putting this on me, man? I'm usually the happy one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> for that yikes. reaction, that's why. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> yikes! 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 Grayson had five assists. He did have five assists. He was doing a good job playmaking, but my God, was he getting hunted. He ended with a positive plus minus, which is bewildering. Somehow. Somehow. Uh, But wow. They're really making – the Celtics, that is, are really making an effort of going at him every single time they can. Jalen Brown in that third quarter, that that just felt mean. It felt like a bully at the playground. Like, please stop. You're you're hurting his feelings uh, sort of thing. Like, Wow. Like, uh, to be fair, a lot of the stuff that Jalen was hitting, those were tough shots. But also, like Adam, you mentioned this on the playback, Grayson is just, he's a little small. Like, Jalen Brown could just elevate over him. Yeah, it's just tough. It's not even just Jalen Brown. They're just attacking him and trying to put him in every single action that they can. And it's asking a lot from Grayson. Like, this this is a very, very smart, fundamental team in the Boston Celtics. 
well coached, well, they have great game plans. You can't be throwing out guys who are minus defenders out there. Not not late in the game. I mean, you can try him. They got a three from him early. I, I don't think he should play no minutes. Yeah, it, right I away. think that that's a good call because early, early is good. Early yeah. is good. Just it's, later on, it's so much tougher. I hate to say it, it's Bryn Forbes Ian. It's uh, it's Bryn Forbes is worse. I know. I, I don't disagree, but I think the principle is there. That's fair. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I think the thing it brings me back to, which is, I'll they've look, they're one game away, win yeah. the next one, and everything is great. But I would still like to see a lineup change for Game Six, and I'd like to see Pat come in. Yes, race. yes. Because I, I think to the point you just made, Ron, the play that stands out to me is very late in the game, probably about two minutes remaining, where Tatum gets Pat on an island, and like it should be all bad things, but. Pat is disciplined enough. As as I think we talked about in the last episode, Ty, if it's not a case where he is charging from one side of the court to the other and he gets off his feet and you're left with a wide open tree. Like Which did happen Pat is in locked in. It did happen in this game. Once. But if he's locked in and you're in front of him and he can just, you know, get get down into defensive stance, he is tougher to beat than most guys just assume he is. Um, with some of the the underlying bias, I guess it's there, which is like, <laughs> oh yeah. But this is easy against Grayson Allen. It's just going to be just as easy against Pat. And it's not because he's bigger, he's stronger, and I do think he's considerably smarter as well. I think, well, take, um, take a look at the last play where Drew yeah. Holiday got the block. Like, you can see Marcus Smart get an angle towards the rim, which is why he goes there. 
which is hilarious because Marcus Smart is trying to be the hero at the end when they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Three straight times. You see that because Marcus Smart has that angle, Pat recovers so quick and gets in front of Marcus Smart without fouling him and makes the shot a little difficult. Obviously, Drew's going to get all the credit for that play because he gets the block. And obviously, like it's well-deserved. That's an incredible, incredible play because you're not even letting a shot get off. But Pat, my goodness, I just his ability to recover defensively is elite, elite at this level. I will say John Schumann of NBA.com did shout out Pat's defense, which I like to see. We like to see that. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did make that play uh, possible for Drew. I'll say the cool thing about Pat is it's it's a little Giannis-esque in a way. He got pretty badly burned by Tatum earlier in the fourth. Tatum crossed him and, and just yammed on him. And well, how does he respond? He holds his ground, makes Tatum shoot a jumper over him that he misses, and then makes that play later in the game to, to stop smart and enable the block. And it, he's just he hangs in there. He's a fighter. I think the easiest way to put it, the difference of him versus Grayson defensively, like the most simplistic way, Pat just offers more resistance. Like you just see, I don't know how to really describe it better. Guys working against Grayson, he gets some steals some here and there. He's but bigger like, and stronger. Well, he's bigger and stronger, but it's more than that. It's the way he defends. Like Grayson was just, it's kind of just getting moved. Whereas you have to move Pat. I think that's the difference. If you can't well, get around I, him. I, it's not even that Grayson like. Isn't that strength? No, it's because I think too. there's, but there is something more to that where it feels like Grayson will show, say, Tatum the way to the rim. He always seems he's, like he's kind he, of running with the guy. Yeah, he's exactly. He's going to show him to one side and then he's like on his hip and he's he's not going to recover, which is funny because he is really athletic too. But it is not that common that you see his athleticism come out in defensive plays in the way that it seems to for Pat. And I don't mean just in terms of like when Pat blocks shots. I mean, just... The ability, like, as you said, Ron, the recovery of Marcus Smart at the end of the game, like, that's even some speed that you just don't really think about. But that that is what Pat brings you. But there is something to Grayson, like, when it, when it's not going or when he's got a really tough matchup and he's being picked on, which is what was happening tonight, he gets a bit like a turnstile. Like, you know, it's, it's easy to just turn him around and to get past him where... I think you're 100% right. Like, Pat puts up meaningful resistance. You can't just get to whatever side of Pat, get past and get behind them. Like, Pat is going to make it difficult, and he's going to do everything he can to keep, whether it's Tatum, whether it's Jalen Brown, in front of him and give himself the best chance of coming up with a really good contest. So what do we what do we feel about Grayson Allen going forward? Do we say just like mostly first half and break glass in case of emergency for offense? No, I think it's a tester. I think he plays every second half. I don't know if I think if he I think he plays you know relatively normal the first three quarters. If he starts getting targeted, I think you pull him pretty fast. I don't think he plays in the fourth unless he's had a pretty strong first three quarters. From here We're on also- out, this series. We're we're in closeout territory now too, so yeah. we may just see like Wes's minutes rocket right up. I know they did to get to thirty seven. I don't know if that'll um, go much higher. I think Pat Pat has the he, most. He may go over forty. I, I think I think Pat is certainly someone who could go forty. Whether that happens if Grayson starts, though, it's it's probably unlikely. Um, I I would like to see Grayson like pencil him in for twenty and see yeah. how it's going. Yeah, yeah, you know. And if he gets the 30 like he did tonight, well, then 
that's a good thing. He's doing some stuff to earn it out there. Um, but obviously, in saying that, at this point, and they're they're only going eight deep as is, you're relying on other guys playing more. That's going to be down to can you keep everyone out of foul trouble? How's Giannis holding up in terms of is he gas late in games? He clearly was here, but an improvement. And as Ty pointed out, you know, those uh, blood timeouts certainly helped on that front too. New strat. But yeah, I'd like around the 20 minute mark and let's see how it's going. Like, let's evaluate yeah. on the fly. And, and I think crucially here, in those 20 to start, use him offensively. Like, get him shots in those minutes because I think. That's when he becomes more damaging to the Bucks. I think if he gets targeted a bit, if he plays 23 minutes, right, gets targeted, they get some buckets on him. If you run him five plays for to get good shots and he hits three of them, then it's like it's you know probably more or less a wash, right? So I, I think that's when the what when really hurts in Grayson's minutes is when he's just kind of out there. They're not looking to him offensively. He's not touching the ball. He's not moving. And the other end is like that. That's how Boston gets going on a run. So I do think you got to play him, but you got to use him to play him and they need to i'm not saying you know if you don't use him don't play him they need to play him as you laid out adam there's only so many options at this point but they just have to go to him more when he is out there i'd say use him like you do pat as well like i i think that is something that that probably comes down to the ingrained chemistry that Giannis and pat have at this point that a lot of those looks pat was getting late in games it's like it's some of the, the only structured offense we're seeing from the books up until that point. And it just looks so easy and it looks pretty close to automatic. I know Pat's not making every shot, but it sure does feel like, and considering the importance of those shots, the gravity at the moment, like that's that's a big deal. And, and just on Pat on that front, to bring it back, to bring it way back to Ty going all in last year on rafters. Like, what is there to say at this point? It's like, in the intro for a reason. It was a Raptors game. But he, like, it, that's not even something that's kind of a, like a fun joke anymore. The way he steps up in the playoffs is so, so valuable. And going into an offseason where an actual value is going to be put on Pat, I, I think for the Bucks, that's something they're really going to have to think about because you just, you can't find guys who can do that very easy. Grayson's a great example where you look at everything that's there on paper and all the things you'd want to get out of it. But is he someone who actually goes up a level in the playoffs? Certainly TBD at best right now. Yeah. Pat, we have we have no doubts about it. Pat is a better player Every in time. the playoffs. And that's if you're a team like the Bucks, you're guaranteed to be there, guaranteed to be an absolute like slobber knocker series. <laughs> that's what, what? you want. What? <laughs> Excuse you? I'm using more boxing terminology. Slobber knocker. It's, you know, nah, you're not nah, only on boxing. You're locking That can't be really a thing. Of course Don't, it's a thing. I'd be careful how you Google slobber knocker. <laughs> you might want to save some stuff. Don't way. add any more letters. <laughs> oh, my God. The ur- oh, no. The Urban Dictionary. Oh, God. I got to close this. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know what I that, close that this term is. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I know how I meant it. That's all. The funny thing, though, about Pat is, I, I funny me of all people, a little bit of doubt late in the year. He's coming back from the injury. Didn't exactly look right. I think some of it was the injury. I think some of it – I don't know if there's a better definition of a 16-game player. Like Pat knows what the money games are. Pat knows when the team really needs him, and that's when he's going to be there. And, you know, it's postseason after postseason. Um, just awesome stuff from him. I think 
you said it earlier, Adam. The four is there. Like, think for this series, you know, maybe Brooke is in there in, in other series, but I think for this series, Wes, Giannis, Pat, and Drew. Just give a shout out to the non-superstar guys there. I mean, we have been all pod, but Wes Matthews and Pat Connaughton are guys who, you know, before these last couple of games, for sure, people around the league probably, not people like fans, you know, are like, cares about those guys, right? Well, Pat, t- Pat think Connaughton, for Wes. Wes Matthews. Uh, go back to the last time Wes was in the playoffs with the Bucks and how oh. how that worked out. And I, I still don't know if we ever really got to the bottom of any of that. But the fact that we're now talking at this point, it's like, yeah, well, he's locked in. It's like, pen. end the game. It's in pen. He's in there. And kind of for offense, too, because when the game breaks down to that kind of... It's funny. The books started to get better looks, better three-point looks, certainly, when they got into crunch time in the game. And when the ball, not coincidentally, also went into Giannis's hands a little bit more, out of Drew's hands a little bit, um, but in that kind of situation, Wes as a catch and shoot option is deadly. Like there's a there's a real threat there. It doesn't have to translate actually on the box score, but you're gonna create quality looks. You're gonna create better spacing overall with him there, with Pat there, with what Pat's doing as well. And like that alone they is enough to earn them their spots. They move they for move sure constantly. This this series. Pat, 48% from deep. West 42% from deep. On combined about nine shots a game. That's role players stepping up in crunch time and, and throughout a series. That's right huge. There. That's yeah. huge. You need that. You really need that if you want to win. Do you remember on the on the playback when I looked at the benches and I said on the last time out, we were like, you know, they're going to they're gonna beat the Celtics bench no matter what. And when... <laughs> When we talked it on playback, it was like 22, maybe like 13 or 14. It was the second half for sure. 27, 24 books win the bench points. You know, so that's down to Pat and Bobby really coming up big. They withstood on. the Daniel Tice explosion. Oh my God, don't get me started. It was their in the Al Horford games. <laughs> Five for four, oh, one for one for Daniel deep. Tice being playable. Every if they go like looking through this box score, all coaching staff players involved with the Milwaukee Bucks should projectile vomit <laughs> when they see <laughs> Daniel Tice was what did what what did he finish? Five, five of five from the five. Plus seven in eleven minutes. The funny you thing, should be ashamed of yourself for allowing this. The Daniel Tice about about that Adam about the Bucks bench being more productive. Celtics bench was incredible. Mm-hmm. Tice five for five. Derek White four for five. Peyton Pritchard two for three. Like they all were, I think, very productive. Very productive for what you would expect. I mean, White's eleven really, of thirteen from the Celtics bench is pretty good. Don't think that's going to happen. Three guys, yeah. Let's not even let's not use that terminology ever again. In this no, series. but uh, this is the thing. I'm just I'm okay with that. Yeah, okay. I, I will say Dan, D- uh, Derek White has turned around the series. I thought he was pretty bad early. He's been good the last couple of games. Low usage good, but still good. But Tyson Pritchard, it's not really the case. And those guys, you know, they won all their minutes this game. They just didn't go to him much late. One thing I thought was interesting, and I saw comments after the game, and I think now we're in the part where I can get into some relatively niche stuff. Ime Udoka has a huge problem with Grant Williams and how much he talks to the officials after plays. And uh, Keith Smith 
uh, reported on this or, or tweeted at some point. He wasn't I think it was at his during the game. daughter's soccer game? <laughs> For Ohan. Um, um, it's a good joke. Um, but Ime was upset. And Grant, I think notably, only played six of the 12 fourth quarter minutes. He didn't have a good game anyway. He was 0 for 3. He's really cooled down from earlier. He was I'd, passing up shots as well. Yeah. Well, they're not letting him. They're, 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 he doesn't like the elbows or above the break. And you can see it. Like his trigger is totally different. The Bucks just don't give him corner threes anymore. And it's kind of taken away a lot of his offense. But I do think that's a big big reason for the minutes too. And I think that's a win for the Bucks, honestly. Like even if he's not having a great shooting game, even if his offense isn't there – we saw he and Horford together pose more of a challenge to Giannis. And if Udoka is losing some trust in him or the shot is there, not there, you know, the the complaining about calls and giving up threes like he did, I think it was Pat Connaughton who hit one of his after that, that could be a quietly big deal heading into game six. Well, two things on that. One, when Horford is tasked with that alone, it's going to take away from what Horford can give you offensively. And eight points for Horford in this game, that really hurts. You know, that's... That's a boost that they've been getting, like a turbo boost they've been getting the last couple of games that all of a sudden is gone. So that hurts. My my only other thing on that, I think with Grant Williams, and it, it has been very noticeable throughout the series, him getting in referee's ears. Like, if Yudoka has a problem with that, Yudoka does kind of set a tone himself. It's not like he has been shy about commenting on officiating um, or getting on the ref's cases in-game. Or just coming out with some really outlandish stuff. Like it's it's been again very, very striking. Not exactly something I was prepared for coming in that oh, turns out Emiadoka is like the most outspoken coach in the NBA he's, he's when being like, outspoken, yeah. Like you can you, you can look back to the Olympic uh games where it's oh, what was it? It was the gold medal game, I believe. And like KD's like uh uh talking with Patty Mills. And uh, it's like there's going to be some problems for the Boston Celtics next year because they had just signed Patty Mills. And Ime is just like, we know how to lock Patty's butt up. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's it really the, the thing with that because, like, even from earlier in the season, and I'm sure there was something coming into it, you're like, oh, you know, two pop disciples and, you know, Bud and Yusoka go, go up in the same way. They could not be any more different. I will and say, you, though, you no, like, Ime Udoka, Udoka, wow, I just swallowed my own words there, is incredible. I think he's a fantastic coach. For sure. Yes, just got to get that out of the way so we're not just slamming. Yeah, okay, so no one's coming at me about it. Um, but I, they could not be more different in their approach to not just, like, because you're not just speaking to the media. You're not just talking about referees. You're putting a message out there that is more directly tied to your players, to the opposing players, and you're trying to, to have a greater influence on the series. And there are certainly times for that. Like, that could be a really good thing. Just it's been something over the years. We've been disappointed that Bud doesn't do more of it. But if you're doing it all the time, every game, that's kind of different. So maybe maybe you guys feel I'm wide of the mark on that. But I do think it's interesting when there's there's a tone that is set for that from him. And then obviously you've got other guys who... They're not shy about talking about officials or chirping on the court. Mark is smart. Jalen Brown has been doing some of it too. Tatum, like, Tatum has made some of the same mistakes Williams has in terms of losing a play for doing that or waiting too long to get up court. But if you're Ime Udoka, you can't exactly 
inexplicably benched Jason Tatum for half of a quarter. So I think sure. he's just going to get away with it a bit more. He was also you know quite good in this game, although the still not finding his comfort zone from three, which is really Adam. Big do you have something bucks. to say? Oh, he had a very hard-earned, well-deserved 34 points. Let's there we go. Shakes. That's all I've got <laughs> I will on say, that. To that note, Adam, though, about the foul thing, the only the Jays shot free throws, the Bucks shot more free throws in Boston tonight. I do think, I certainly think it gets grading to the officials. Like, these are people. Of course it does. And, of course, yeah. it's got to be so annoying every single time down the floor. Like, if you're not legit a LeBron kind of guy – I, and even I think and officials get tired of him. They just know they can never throw him out of a game. But I just think it, it, it's got to just be like, all right, just shut up and play at a certain point. Well, but even the idea. Mike was going to fight Mark Lindsay. Did you see that? Did <laughs> yeah, you Bud that? was fired up. <laughs> Bud picks his spots, though. It's not all game. Things, and things looked up from there, too, um, to be fair. I mean, I don't have either of you ever refereed games at any level like or no. I, I'd be curious for for someone's perspective on this who has Ooh. done this. You Mark know, Davis you, you always you always get the idea of oh, you know, eventually you wear a ref down, and you know, if you get on his case, you'll get the you'll get the calls late in games. But I think you're right, Ty. Is human nature not eventually? You just feel like I'm so sick of this guy. This game's over in a minute anyway. You know, like I I think that can certainly work against you. We had so, Chris Paul. We had Brad Fisher on the pod to do a coaching perspective. Now we got to grab a, an official from the area and, and get into that. I like After the idea. series. That oh, yeah, might that, be that's off. That's off season content for Is sure. Is Donaghy available? <laughs> I think we'd have some other questions for him. Well, if you're just talking official, who's not currently working? That's you know fair point. I hear he'll. No, I won't say that. We'll just keep going. Let's probably get us in trouble. Um, I think the only guy who played who we haven't talked about, and after that we should probably talk about someone who hasn't played in a little while. Brooke Lopez, twenty points. I still don't think they're getting him quite enough shots. That he did shoot twenty it. points. What? Well, twenty minutes. Sorry, twenty <laughs> twenty minutes. No, no. I was like, what? Twenty minutes. He had. Uh, keeps doing Brooke stuff. Rookie <laughs> he cookie. Two, he had two <laughs> rookie cookie. The new phrase for when Brooke hits a shot. It, we only got to say it once. I said it when twice. When you say we. It's you. Me yeah, and, and no someone in playback. Someone in playback. Might have been Kelp. Uh, shout out to whoever said it in playback. But it's just not a great Brooks series, especially with Robert Williams not playing. I do think that's where he's going to find the most success. But the Celtics are going small. They're stretching the floor. It's just been tough for him. Um, and it's just this is a hard team to post up with all the defensive metal they have, I think. So, you know, I, you just keep playing him around this much. I think this is a good a good amount of minutes. But – I, I just I don't expect him to suddenly be able to close unless the Celtics are going big on like Robert Williams playing a ton. Even then, maybe not. But certainly, I think that's that's the only way I'd see Brooke playing more than this. I, I did think the books were actually quite effective in his minutes tonight, but him doing much because even if you look plus minus, he's minus three. He did not have the benefit of being on the court for the run that certainly helped everyone else's plus minus in the fourth quarter. Did he see the court in the fourth quarter at all? I don't think so. Um, if he did, it was very, very early. I I think he's doing a pretty solid job as he tends to do. It's not like he's a weak spot for the books. He basically never is. When you see Jason Tatum kind of get him on an island, is that comfortable? No. Some of those shots are going to go in, but you do also trust Brooke to do all that he can, weaponize his size. 
make that as difficult as possible and just hang out there, which in a different way is what we already touched on. Like that's what we're looking for Bobby to do to cover up his weaknesses. I think Brooke is pretty good at doing the same. It goes to what we're saying about George Hill, though, in terms of if you're going to be playing Brooke, how about when he's out there, you work ways to get him more involved in your offense and to capitalize on the opportunities that are there. Now, maybe next time out, if Robert Williams is back, those opportunities aren't there quite as much, but they have left some some scraps, at least on the table over the past couple of games and what they haven't got going with Brooke. He did not play in the fourth, by the way. There's less offensive, but maybe more defensive opportunities for Brooke if, if Robert Williams is playing. Uh, I think his one bucket was, again, a pick and roll, right? Or am I wrong? No, it wasn't. I'm thinking of Bobby's early bucket. I don't remember what his bucket No, it was, a, it was like a jump hook thing. It's Brookie Cook. I don't even remember. I thought, it, I thought it was a dunk. I thought it was another kind of – in my head, I had not, not quite the, uh, the alley-oop off the missed Drew shot like we got last time, but I did think there was some sort of Drew connection where it was kind of tossed up there. I'm, but, I'm pulling it up now. How often is oh, Brook Lopez in your head? In my head? Yeah. Less than Andre Drummond for you, Ty, apparently. <laughs> no, I don't think well, that's true. That's definitely not true. Uh, I nailed it. it 18, 18-foot jumper from a Drew Holiday assist. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. It kind of fell in the front door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Brookie Cookie. We got Lindell tweeting, Drew Holiday is the best defender in the league. I said what I said. Lock emoji. No lies detected. Like, Yeah. yeah. That really must have, like, Marcus Smart, that must have really got under his skin. Uh, he said, he just gave credit to the box. He's saying the right things, but that play where he got blocked, they drew it up for Tatum. Smart, I think his quote was, like, just nobody, like, everyone was just standing still, so I just went for it, which is extremely Marcus Smart. But he, I mean, someone had to. I'm not saying it's not the right thing, but it's just, it's very Marcus Smart. What else is there to cover from this game? Well, Ty said someone who hasn't played for a while. Oh, is that yeah. Wait, wait. Let me, let me pull the exact quote. Um, yeah, he said, quote, everyone, everyone was standing around. They were getting close on the five-second count, and we had no timeouts. Drew made a great play. I agree. That, sure that it is. has to bother him. That has to bother no, him. No, I, I do. Does. Like, I'm not even being funny about it. It must like yeah. really irk him for someone to come up with two defensive plays like that on him to steal the game. Like it's not how it goes in his, in his own mind. You know, it's not how he's been playing back this series over and over again. The player who hadn't played is Chris Middleton. Don't want to get anyone's hopes oh. up. Um, Dario Melendez, who initially reported he would be out three to four weeks before anyone else reported a timeline which is not exactly the same as the reports we've gotten from other media outlets. Was it Shams who went on McAfee to do take-a-thon or whatever? Stupid thing. <laughs> um, he said there's a strong possibility, I think it was. Is that the quote? Something. Uh, uh, Shams was just sticking to his original report. Oh, no, not, not Shams. But Dario's, okay, yeah. Dario's latest report. There's a strong possibility that Chris would be back for – will be back for a game six. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I said this on playback. Dario was basically within the Bucks working for Fox Sports Wisconsin, later Valley Sports Wisconsin, and now is not. He's with WISN 12. So 
maybe, could be sources there that couldn't u- really utilize before because he was speculation, pure speculation. Yeah, this is all speculation. I, I haven't talked to him. I haven't. I don't. I haven't heard about this from anyone else. Just my read on it as a Bucks broadcast watcher. And, it could be credible, is what you're saying. Yeah, like there is, totally there is a. I mean, my one thing on this is, regardless of Chris is ready or not, I thought he was going to be playing Game Six when we were talking, but a few minutes to go in the game. Changing my mind because yeah, the situation has yeah. changed. Because now you have the lead. I think I think he would have played regardless if the Bucks lost this game. I think now if they won. I, I think if he's ready, he plays. plays. I he's not going to be that ready. See, like, this is the same. Uh, it's the same approach that the Bucks took the last time they played the Celtics with Malcolm Brogdon. They could have brought him back, but they were up in the series. They didn't feel like they had a need to. I feel like you're in a similar situation here. But I, I are you get talking about your 2019 point. series? Yeah. Well, that series ended in five games. So I think I, it, I mean, they yeah. have a lead. They have a lead. I, I think if you're the Bucks, you do not want to go back to Boston and try to win. You have to win there three times in a seven-game series. I think there still should be a real sense of urgency for this game six. Well, let, let's say in their head, right, if they're – and. I'm not assuming the books go true here. I'm just saying this is how the books have got to assume in terms of Middleton's timeline. If they're in a spot where they're like, well, what's the ideal date we'd pencil in for when he's coming back? If that's like game two of the conference finals, but he could play a game six or a game seven, you know, if it's that kind of, I think in saying, okay, do we, do we believe we can win one or two games without him? Like, there's no doubt that's a risk. And there's 100% there's the, you've got them where you want them, go for the jugular. You know, let's let's bring Chris out there and let's close this thing out and don't don't take any chances. Don't play with your food to bring back a term that uh, has come up in terms of talking about the Milwaukee Bucks plenty of times before. I get that, but I could also see, and I would possibly lean if it's like, if he's ready, he's ready. Like if if they were planning that, and what I would speculate, and it's pure speculation, I don't think Bud talks about this. If there isn't a chance of him imminently having a different status 100%. on in, on injury reports, hundred percent. But that also doesn't mean that the status change in an injury report means he's available for Game Six. But and there hasn't I, I been a change yet either. There hasn't. Yeah. Uh, but that to me is the only reason Bud talks about it because we know Bud does not like to talk about anything and the books. Like as a policy, did you not talk about injuries? Their update, they, so, they their just update talked was about so how funny. They, yeah, they just talked about how they're not going to answer any questions about starting lineups, and the Bucks were promoting that tweet on so like that clip on social media. Like it, that's that's the type of thing we're talking about here. Did you guys not see that? No, I did. Um, oh, okay. Buds, uh, or no, I forgot. I was, oh, they're, they're the injury update on Chris last week or whatever. It's just like. We'll let you know in this news. Everything's going well. We'll let you know in but this news. We we know what the purpose of that was, and all the beat reporters, journalists were talking about it. They dropped that literally like two seconds before Bud's media availability. So it was essentially a prompt to be like, "Don't ask him about Chris," yeah. as if that was going to happen anyway. But that was that was the intent behind that. Is oh, we'll put the Chris injury update out now. So people will not be asking, oh, where's Chris at? When's Chris going to be back? They'll just be like, no. So that's the intent there, which also shows how they usually handle this stuff. So to be at a point where they're talking about him, it's because I, I think that injury report is going to read differently soon. That doesn't mean that, you know, 
he's going to go straight into a spot where it's like available and he's going to be playing. I I just think we're going to see a change there sooner or later. If it's not game six, if this goes seven, I would think Chris Middleton has a different status on the injury report. I think, I think Chris Middleton plays this series. So what are you saying, Ron? Are you saying he plays in game six? That's all I'm saying. He's either a Bucks pessimist or a Chris optimist. And he won't tell us which. Very, very trusty. I was going to say, yeah, I'm pulling a Jordan here. Filling in for our uh, our occupied brother-in-arms. I would love it if he plays game six. What? It's just a I, I just want to point out that Jordan is just he's busy with work at the moment. He's not just, at war. He's we're not, all at war. Yeah. No, we're not. With who? No, Ourselves? Snotty dripping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at war with anyone. I'm not either. Um, I'm no, a pacifist. I, I, I really, I really hope that, that Dario's right and Chris is ready to go. Um, the initial timeline that I mentioned earlier, Dario did share was three to four weeks. Uh, game five, six would be three weeks and one day from from that initial report. So we'll see. Um, hard to say right now. But it, it would be awesome if he's if he plays game six because he is truly ready to play game six and then get probably only a couple days off before this potential start in the case of a Bucks victory, the next series. I guess we'll see what happens with Miami. It's, it's Sunday. If, if, if the series wraps up in game six, the conference finals start on Sunday. For both teams. If they both wrap in six games. I, I said what I said. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But fingers crossed. I mean, we're now facing closeout territory. The Milwaukee Bucks under Mike Budenholzer are 8 and 0 when they have at least when they have closeout opportunities. Crispy stat. I'd forgotten about that one. So you're saying Chris is back for game six. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I'm saying I think Chris plays this series. So none is Bud going to lose his perfect record? or None of us have I'm info. I think Chris plays the series. I want you to go out on a limb here, Ron. This is not like it. I think Chris plays in the series. <laughs> you should have just been like me. I didn't even make a call. I just said I hope. And I got away with it. See, but I'm upsetting Adam, so it's good. <laughs> no, it's not upsetting me. I just want you to commit to it. I am committing to it. I'm saying he's playing in the series. Okay. 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 Let's. He's just going to keep saying. It. I've, I've I've been down these roads before, Adam. I'm not. I'm not even. He's just. I'm not even pushing him this hard, and he just keeps saying it. So, we'll move on. I think that's all we've got. Oh, we should do predictions then for Game Six. Bucks oh, win. Score predictions. Someone say. Someone take score prediction predictions. Wrong. Uh, no, you go first. Uh, I think the books are going to win. It's it's impossible. I don't know how they won tonight. I honestly do not know how they won that game with how that they game was going. They were down 14 in the fourth quarter with like just, just under 10 minutes to go. A situation did you say? that had 40, 140 141, and 1. 141 and 1. Oh, 141 and 1. Okay. 100-something and, and 0 outside of the bubble. Ridiculous. What a this ridiculous is, This game. is what they do, though. Like, this is exactly that's, what they do. I said this. Unbelievable. I think I said this on the Rami show. Shout out to all of our friends in, in radio who I think have had all of us on various shows at this point. But like I, on the way back, I was coming back from a, a. I was on the road as you all saw for for game four or game three, 
And on the way back, I remember thinking it would be so bucks if they split four and five and then Chris comes back and they won game six because that's such like classic storybook. Everything's terrible, but the Bucks end up winning. And this, I mean, last year it was a storybook playoff run. Like you look back on it, there's like so many twists and turns. It doesn't even make sense. That would be the most possible Bucks. There's still those down bad moments that we all question our belief system. And then they end up doing the damn thing in crazy fashion. That would be it. So I got it wrong. I figured they would win four and, and lose five. That's me being a silly goose and thinking the Bucks do anything according to plan. But it's still possible that that lines up. And, you know, fingers crossed. All I'll say. Ooh. Ooh. Did you make a... No, we didn't. Row, row? Oh, God, I haven't heard that in years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making a prediction. What? Why? No. What's going on? I don't, I don't get this. Full Tresky. It's a bit I started and have to commit to. When did you start this bit? Uh, like five minutes ago. I, I, say, I don't care about the bit. Do you care about bit? the bit? No, I don't, I, I don't know I'm, about the bit. I'm committed to this bit that I created. I'm not making a prediction. Can we can we pull a Webster here and can we the dictionary definition? Can it be a bit if there's only one person in on it? Yes. I'm sure our listeners would like to hear you make yeah. a prediction. Your whole bit is that you're the predictions guy. Like make yeah. a score it's prediction. Like, I don't know if are, I'm the. Are you going to give guy. a score prediction, but not the teams? Yes, like, that's exactly what I'm. Gonna so do. terrible. It's just numbers. <laughs> it's just algebra. One hundred ninety-seven. Wow, I can't believe Rowan is picking the Celtics to beat the Bucks. <laughs> I can't believe he's not even denying it. One hundred ninety-seven. That's a bit too close for my health. I <laughs> None of I this just, is good for our health, Adam. None of this is. It, it's, it's not, <laughs> did you see what I was going through during that playback? When, when you put your nostrils up to the mic or the camera, that's how you know something's really, really going on. I gotta, we need I to get. We need to get that clip out. I, oh, yeah. I don't know oh, how God. Rohan feels about that, but that is an incredible. I gotta. Thing. I gotta look at the clip first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, make sure you join us live on playback so you don't miss that. <laughs> yeah, we will not do one for Game Six. We can't no, tempt no. fate too much. No, no, we can't. And it's but a Friday we, night, yeah. and you know, folks are busy. We we get that. Yeah. Is there anything else we need? here? Here's a good way to wrap this game up or this pot up. Uh, let's go through the sequence of events that ended the game. So we got a. Oh, I'm on the wrong quarter. Uh, give me a sec. Oh no. Oh, it's all falling apart. This was a great plot. This is, it's just, uh, you've turned no, 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 into no, no, the Boston Celtics in the final 10 seconds here. This is like watching Marcus Smart in real time. Rohan so, is the new Celtics. We're the new Bucks. It's a progression. We got a J, uh, Jason Tatum, missed fade. Over Pat. Uh, yeah, Jalen Brown gets the offensive rebound. Marcus Smart turns it over. We get a Drew Holiday three. Uh, to tie the game at 105, uh, we get a shooting foul against Bobby Portis. Tatum goes to the line, makes the first one, makes the second one. Celtics up two. Giannis goes down, draw, draws a foul on Grant Williams, draws another foul on Grant Williams to put them in the bonus, and it's a shooting foul. Giannis makes the first one, misses the second one. Bobby Portis fights for the rebound, tips it up and in. Bucks take the lead 108, 107. 
Marcus Smart misses a driving layup because Drew Holiday swats his shot from behind. uh, Bucks ball. They inbound the ball. Derek White takes a foul on Pat Connaughton, makes both free throws. Marcus Smart gets the inbound pass. Drew Holiday takes the ball away. Time expires. Bucks win. It was I think just... we should get Rohan Reed's like iconic books play-by-plays on yeah. the Patreon with Titus Boston Axles. Oh, now I think we <laughs> might be up to three subscribers on that bad boy now. Three Rohan fans. Actually, ten Rohan fans who are that dedicated, and then seven of them are scared away by the Boston accent thing. It was truly – I just love – you're always going to be scared of a last-second shot, especially – I mean how many times it feels like the Celtics going back to – that last season, the Tatum – can I, can I say, Ty, can I interrupt? Because yeah. both of you specifically were terrifying me at that moment because TNT decided to show the Celtics scoring against the Nets late in game, Tatum yeah. shot, and you were both in hysterics laughing at how bad the Nets defense was. Oh. And I was just in my head being like, no, 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 don't, <laughs> don't do it now. And then when, when Marcus Smart got past Pat so easily. Yeah, you I heard you made Ro- a noise. Rohan, but Rohan just went, oh no. But Pat recovered. And it was all beautiful from there. But that's that's the most scared I've been so far. And this playoff run, without doubt, was when both of you were just like doubled over laughing at the Nets trying to defend in a similar situation. It was, was really like, funny. It was It was, but I just wanna <laughs> at the time I was like, can we just wait 30 seconds and then be like Look at what the Nets did. Can we talk about the Nets? So. People respond to stress, anxiety, adversity in different, ways. in different ways. I am very much the person who is like just cracking jokes at funerals, man. I can't help it. It's just who I am. It's no <laughs> you guys disrespect. know how I react. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knows how Busted. I do. I think the best way to sum it up, Rohan's still going to do the outro. Always trust the Bucks. I trust the Bucks. I'm on record. Oh, God. I'm on record. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I agree with that, but it sounds scary when you say I that. know it does. Yeah, it does. It's very I'm scary. leading in. They keep giving me reasons. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. So oh, maybe I can make some, you know, some plans for Gene. Nope. Oh, my goodness. And on that note, thank actually, you. For gonna, oh my I have some plans in May, actually. So not really a true statement. Be done. Take us home, Rowan. I don't know what tie is up. Sorry about what I'm up to. I don't know. Thank you for listening to this episode here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Make sure you leave a five star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Do we have any reviews? It's been a while. The folks are not reviewing. They should. We got a bunch of new listeners. I mean, yeah, let me check. I'm not prepared for this. Um. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm not the only reason the intro's messed up now. No uh, new reviews. Really? I feel like I saw one earlier. I'm checking Chartable. We do. On we do have a new oh. review. Oh. 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 No. We have a couple of oh, new no. reviews. Why is Chartable oh, not no. showing me new reviews? Oh, God. Oh, no. I'm not prepared, I'm not prepared for this. I'm disrespecting um, the, the listeners. So uh, I'll a, read this one out if you want, Rob. No, I, I, it's okay. I can do There's it. two reviews there, and I'm worried you might choose one and not the other for strategic uh, reasons. Oh, boy. So I'm going to read one from Books Fan for Life. Is that oh, the one you're looking at, Rohan? No, uh, I'm already excited for this. Uh, Books Fan for Life says, Great pod. 
Long overdue review, but had to take advantage of Rohan saying he'd sing. I remember he tweeted once that he's the Indian Justin Bieber and played oh. Ghost. Can he just sing that? And Luckily, here on here on the Eurostep Podcast Network, we do have a tradition of reviews setting up performances of songs. Andrew Snyder has done this over on Cruiser for Bruising. That was great. So, I mean, if you want to sing, Rohan. Rohan, you're lucky. I think my I really fell apart. I'm sure a lot of people clicked off then, so I wouldn't worry too much about Although oh, it will yes. be in the promo that you sing on the pod. <laughs> oh, yeah. There'll be a separate tweet for it. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Oh, boy. Oh, he's getting the water in. A true, a true vocal performer. Oh, boy. Why did I agree to this? Um, <laughs> you didn't agree to this. You proposed this. Nobody was I like, Rohan has to sing. Okay, I'll just do the chorus. Why not? I did tweet this. Shout out to you for remembering this. I did tweet myself playing Ghost on piano. Uh, if I can speak close to you, I'll settle for the ghost of you. I miss you more than life. And if you can speak next to me, your memory is ecstasy. I miss you more than life. I miss you more than life. There you go. It's literally the moment from Step Brothers where he tells them that you're the songbird of a generation. That was good. That was good. My face is so red from trying not to like explode. I know. Laughing. It was really tough. Because just what a way for us to end this podcast. <laughs> I was like, it, it was so, Rohan was so gently serenading everyone. It's, it's the lullaby I need at yeah, 4 a.m. I got to have a great sleep Oh boy, this guy, uh, yeah. That was good, Rohan. No, Thank that was you. good. You crushed it on, on little notice. Uh, I, I respect it. If someone asks me to sing, I'm not singing. Not I don't sound I like I that. And, and you, really, you really went for it, too. You know, you didn't like yeah. half-ass, like, ah. Uh, that's I how I do it. Bobby Bordis level commitment. Yeah. Shout out to Bobby. Rohan for Bobby. How about that? You know what's fun? We're all wearing Eurostep merch. Oh, yeah. Shout out gspnstore.com. gspnstore.com. Because we're still somehow on the outro. Uh, Speaking of. Yeah. Make sure you check out gspnstore.com. Lots of great stuff over there. It's not just Eurostep. There's one in six, Cruising for a Bruising, GSPN. A lot of fun stuff out there. Uh, Check that out. Make sure you are subscribed to wherever you're listening, YouTube, your podcast platform of choice. Uh, Make sure you leave a like, subscribe. I already said that, but I'm going to say it again uh, because I forgot I said it the first time. Uh, make sure you uh, check out the Substack. follow all of us on Twitter pod random and we will talk to you next time whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.